Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you. I've been able to hug many necks so far, shake a few hands, and see that a lot of you have not aged. Congratulations, right? I looked at Daryl Hopkins this morning. I said, Daryl, if I can just look as good as you, right? And he goes, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I said, man, you look good, Daryl. So many of you seeing your smiling faces and being with you today is such an incredible joy and such an incredible blessing. And so on behalf of the Hodges family, thank you. And there's many thank yous in order, and I could talk a long time about the gratitude that I have for you and the gratitude that I have for this amazing local church. Rachel sends her hello. She's had a girl's trip planned for a long time, and so when Pastor Josh asked me to come and be a part of this series, I said, well, I'm going to bring the boys. And so the boys are along. They're walking through the Apex student building, and, and, and Josiah was like, Wow. This is a lot bigger than our church, right? And a week ago, Levi said, uh, and he'll be in the next service, they'll be with me, and Levi's my introvert of the family, and we talk a lot in the family just about God's design and encouraging them to really be who they are. They don't have to be, he doesn't have to be like his big brother, he's reminded often he's not like his big brother, he's an introvert, and even on the way to Disney World, folks, even on the way to Disney World, my introverted son looks at me and says, Dad, There's not going to be a lot of people there, are there? I said, son, listen, this is the happiest place on earth. Yes, there's a lot of people and you're going to be just fine, right? And so last week he goes, dad, is this, is this church as big as our church? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit bigger because we have a big church, dad. There's a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm really glad that they're here. You might get a chance to see them maybe after the service. But on behalf of the Hodges family, thank you. Thank you for loving us and for supporting and for sending us, even as the Bane stood before you just a few moments ago, just emotion comes through me because I know what that's like to be loved and supported. And so thank you for doing that from 2014 on, the Causey household, the, the other families that moved to be a part of Encounter Church that have loved and supported so well, we thank you. Encounter Church thanks you. Encounter Church is where it is today in the greater Boston area and seeing the type of impact that we have seen in the community because of you, because of the love and the support that you have provided and other churches have provided, ministry is possible. And on behalf of the North American Mission Board, thank you. Thank you for giving the way that you do because you give and because Taylor's for so many years has been such a a pivotal um, provider to the cooperative program. Ministry is happening all around the country and we need you. So the gifts even that you have given in the past, the gifts that you give today and the gifts that you give in the future are moving incredibly powerfully in North America through church planting. As Jeremy mentioned, just uh, July 1st, I have all of 25 days on the job. I took a new ministry position leading through the North American Mission Board, the church planting effort uh, throughout New England. In 2010, we could identify two local churches inside the I-95 loop around Boston Two. Two that had been there since 2000, and, and uh, the Southern Baptists from the year 2000 to 2010 poured a lot of effort into Boston and did not see much success. And one of those two churches since 2010 lasted. Today, even we planted seven churches in the pandemic. We planted seven new churches during the pandemic. Today, there are over 100 SBC churches inside the city loop, and we want to continue to see that happen. 
And through your gifts, listen, it's possible. Through your gifts, through your generosity, um, ministry is possible. So So thank you for giving. The North American Mission Board came to me almost a year ago. Uh, just at the very beginning of the coronavirus and said, listen, we'd, we'd love to see what's happening in Boston expand throughout New England. And so I said yes to that position. And um, I'm really, really eager and excited to serve uh, the Southern Baptist in New England. And the job, moving from one local church to a six-state regional job, there's no comparison, right? Sometimes on, when I wake up in the morning, I go, huh, where do I begin? Right? Because in the state of New Hampshire today, I just talked to a, one of our New Hampshire catalysts, and he has, he's identified three church plants in the last 20 years in the, in the state of New Hampshire. And so he is where Boston was in 2010. And I believe in the next 10 years, we're going to multiply churches all throughout New England just like we have seen in Boston. So thank you for supporting and loving the Hodges family. Thank you for loving and supporting Encounter Church, and thank you for loving and supporting through the SBC work. And so we're super, super grateful to be a part of what you are doing all around the country and all around the globe. Really honored to continue the series that was started, I guess, a few weeks ago, right? Or maybe last week uh, through uh, the book of Psalm. And I chose one. And even this week, in the last two weeks, I was like, man, I think I might have chosen the wrong psalm. This is sort of depressing, Psalm 42 here, right? And I'm I'm in this, maybe I should be more uplifting. And and even as I told Jeremy this morning, I thought about it again this morning, the song about Psalm 42 is a lot prettier than the actual psalm. In fact, a lot of the psalms, almost roughly a third, some could argue a half, depending on how you read the book and depending on how you read these songs throughout the book, there are a lot of them that have more of a negative, depressed, desperate tone than hope at all. And so and while I'm singing the song this morning as we're all singing it, I'm like, man, this feels good because we're placing our hope in God, but that doesn't come until the very end of the psalm because most of the psalm feels like it's a man that's desperate, and it is. And even as we read aloud and as we sung, each song I thought of this morning as we're singing, I'm like, yeah, but that's not always the way that it is. We're singing this song of hope, song of faith, but if we're really honest with ourselves, we're just not there most of the time. And so we have King David, a man that loved God, a man that knew God, a man that understood the power of God, a man that experienced the power and the presence of God in a place of desperation, And in a place where he had lost hope. In Psalm 42, I want to read just the first verse. Actually, I'm going to read the first three. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Now that didn't make the song quite, did it? Right? It's like, wait, wait, wait. As the deer pants for the water, so we're showing, hey, we're hungry and we're desperate for God. Now to set this foundation from a theological standpoint, that what David is declaring and what David is struggling through, even though we can relate to it, is different now after the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection because of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you have faith in God, we can stand on the promise that he is with us. In fact, we often say this, we should not be limited to saying this around Christmas time, we should say it all the time, Emmanuel. What does that mean? 
God with us. It's not just a name and a descriptor of who God is, it's a promise to you. Have you ever felt God is distant? Have you ever felt that God was not listening? Have you ever felt that God broke his promise? Let's be honest, the answer is probably yes. Even though you might say, well, I didn't really believe that, but that's not how I feel. Today we can stand on the promise and the presence that God is with us. He is not contained to this building. He is not limited to this building. His promise is with you. In fact, when Jesus left, it's one of the last things that Jesus said, I will be with you. And the, the disciples could be like, no, no, that's not really what you're saying because that's not really what you did. You said that you would never leave us, but, you, you, but remember you died for three days, you were gone. Like we, we thought that we had hope in you. And then he comes back and he roams the earth for so many days and appears to hundreds of people and he's still proclaiming this promise and just before he leaves, I will be with you. Yeah, Jesus, you said that, but you're leaving. No, my spirit will be with you. It will not depart from you. And so we have this promise, but the way that King David is describing this, he's not describing this presence that was promised. What he's saying is that I, I know what it was like to be in the presence of God and right now I'm not. In this very presence, I'm not. And so sometimes I sing, in fact, I stopped singing the song this morning because I'm like, am I feeling the presence of God right now? I believe it, I believe he's here, I believe he's present, but sometimes we don't actually feel it emotionally. That doesn't mean he's not here. Just because you may not feel the presence of God does not change the promise of God's presence. It's not what King David was saying. Just like a deer pants for water, so I pant for you. I thought of this last week. Do you know what it's really, really, really like to be thirsty? Like to want it so bad and you know you can't get it. In this culture, um, verse one doesn't have the power that this verse would have in many, many parts of the world. You know, right now there are men and women, not just hundreds, but thousands upon thousands of people traveling for water right now. And in my weak illustration, I remember what it was like to take a wrong turn when I was doing an endurance run and I was five miles away from any civilization and it was supposed to be 88, it was 100 degrees, and I so badly wanted water, I felt like if I keep running, I'm gonna swallow on a dry mouth and I'm gonna begin to choke. Do you notice that people are dying today around the world because they don't have water? People are dying today because they actually can't quench, their saliva glands can't catch up to the heat around them because they're that dehydrated. And he said, just like animals pant for water because if they don't get it, they will die. God, that's where I am. If I don't get more of you right now and in this very moment, I'm not going to make it. This is a desperate, desperate call from King David. God, just like the deer pants for water, just like today, men and women and children are working hard to find water. They're working hard because they know that they need it. So my soul, something inside of my body just wants you. A desperate man who says, my soul is thirsty for you. In verse three, this isn't a great song as we sing about, right? This isn't, this isn't something that's very happy as we start singing a song about panting for God. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. Do you remember a time in your life that's where you were? All you could do was cry. That's where David is. King David. Verse four, this is what he says. Verse four says, but I remember. These things I remember. 
As I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I like this turn in Psalm 42. Okay, desperate man, distant from God, he really did believe, okay, even though our theology through Jesus' promises changed, he really did believe God was gone. He really did believe God was not present any longer. Right now, many of you would be uncomfortable saying, well, God's not really here. Oh, yes, he is. No, King David would have argued with that. No, no, no. I know what it was like to be in the presence of God, and right now, he's not here. I can say in many walks of my faith, there have been moments in the last seven and a half years when I did not feel God was present. There have been moments in my children's life when I felt like God was not here and God was not present. There have been moments of difficulty and and change and hardness where I felt like God wasn't as close. And in those moments, what do I have to do? I have to remember. I have to not just remember his promise, but you know what King David did? He remembered his presence. And he remembered, hey, I know what it was like, and I love Psalm 4, this picture, how I would go with the throng, right, a multitude, okay? This word gives this idea of a packed crowd. Sorry, Levi, but it's Disney, right? I mean, a packed crowd. People are everywhere, but this is the house of God. People are packed. Like, there's no room around you, sitting in the seats around you, because there are so many people. And he goes, I know what it was like to be in a crowd of people, and all we were doing was working our way towards God, working our way towards the temple, so we could sing and shout to him. It was there where I found the presence of God. That was powerful. Do you remember those moments when you recall a worship service that you'll never forget the rest of your life? You're remembering that moment of powerful worship? You know those moments when you realize that, that prayer meeting and that, that moment of prayer with others that changed everything? I can look back to events in my life through high school, through college, and then in seminary, and and here at Taylor's, I remember some of the worship nights that were so powerful, right? And just even looking forward to just being with God's people, worshiping him. David was alone right here. David did not believe that God was present. David was struggling just like that. You and I can relate to verses 1, 2, and 3. I know what it's like to be apart from God. I know what it's like not to experience God, but David says, oh, I remember I remember what it was like to be in his presence. I remember what it was like to be with other people worshiping him. And listen, I know we get uncomfortable sometimes in worship when people start shouting. Well, it depends on how they're shouting. Is this controlled, right? But he says, I remember when the multitude of people were shouting and they were shouting songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. You know what this idea? It wasn't an hour long, okay? It wasn't an hour long. It was a festival, a long period of time, a celebration. David says, I, I, I know what that was like. I didn't think about this until a couple of days ago when I was reading through this again. I was like, you know what? This is similar to what happened during COVID when people stopped worshiping and gathering for a period of time. And you know that moment when you're like, I just want to be back. I just want to be with God's people. I just want to worship again right? And some people suffered and and still are suffering greatly because of what's happened in our world in the last 18 months. Depression, anxiety at an all-time high. Some people are still struggling for the ramifications of change and loneliness and, and the impact psychologically, spiritually, socially, right? It has ran its course and is continuing to run its course in our world. And the desperation is only continuing, but some Christians, and I, and I would say this even though I, I've had moments of struggle for sure, but there were some moments during COVID I thought, you know, I'm okay. You know why? I'm still worshiping God. 
I'm still spending time with him. Like I cranked the music in my house and every now and then, yes, shout it out. The boys are like, dad, can you go downstairs? No, I don't want to worship in the basement. Worshiping up here. Can you close the blinds? You know, I'm just kidding, right? Just, I didn't miss worship. I didn't miss God's word because I was, because I was in it. But oh, I was wrong. The moment we stepped back into Encounter Church, I couldn't sing. Just tears running down my face. I'm like, I miss being with God's people. Oh, I miss this, right? David said, I just want to be back. But see, David was a fugitive. No, this is king. No, no, no. He, he was king, yeah, but he was a fugitive in this moment where people were chasing after him. Why? Because God gave him instructions to, to, to make his name known. And through that, it was land and conquest and killing, right? And land acquisition wasn't so like, let's hire a lawyer and meet and, and determine the terms. No, no, no. It's my people versus your people, right? And there was enemies and killing and war. And David's life was sought after by many leaders, by many kings, by many people. People. And had, yes, he was God's man, but he was also a fugitive on the run. Being a pastor today is a little bit easier than what I'm reading in Psalm 42. But not on all parts of the world. There are pastors today on the run. There are men and women today on the run, right, because of the enemy. Well, David was like, listen, I'm here, and my tears have been my food day and night. And they're saying, where is your God? And I'm also wondering the same thing. Where is God? And then he says, but I remember, I know where he is. He's in the temple. Verses 5 through 10, just want to read through this, if possible, straight, without commentary. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation in my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wounds in my bones, my adversaries, they taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? multiple times stating, why am I so depressed? I'm not going to ask rhetorically if you've had that thought. I'm going to still say, when's the last time you felt that way? Some would say today. Some would say during this last season. Some would say short term. I've talked to people, and this is more common than we want to acknowledge, but some people are there for a very, very long time. Seasonal depression I've talked to people that have said, you know, I felt like this all my life, where I always felt like my heart and soul were empty, right? When's the last time you felt that way? David's here in this moment, even though he had seen the hand of God, experienced the hand of God, he, he also is saying this moment, why are you so depressed? Why are you so down? You ever had self-talk? And self-talk out loud is kind of weird, right? You hear someone talking to themselves. I'm sort of used to it now, but every now and then you go through a gas station or a restaurant and you don't realize that in the right ear, someone has their Bluetooth technology and they're talking. You just see the left side of their body and they're just talking and you're like, weirdo. Okay, he might be talking to his wife, you know? Yes, I'm fine. I'll call you later. Like, who's this guy talking to, right? Like, we do it all the time. That's what our brains do. 
right? Our brains, we talk to ourselves, and, and in this moment, if you have faith in God and you're here in this room, and you're thinking, okay, oh, yes, I have faith in God. Yes, I believe he's present, but why do I feel the way that I feel? Sometimes a, a good therapist, different than a, sometimes a counselor or a biblical counselor, sometimes a good therapist. I don't know if you've had a good therapist. I've heard great stories from therapy. I've heard awful stories from therapy. They never say anything. They just ask me questions. If you're a therapist in this room, don't take offense to this because I think I'm going to applaud the strength of therapy. It's questions. Jesus did it. Jesus would answer questions with questions and say, well, tell me more about that. Why do you feel that way? Do you ever ask yourself questions? and then answer them? Yes, you do. That's what a therapist is doing, okay? King David is his own therapist right here. Look at this. He says, why are you so downcast within me? My hope is in God. Why are you downcast within me? Oh, yes, I think I know why I'm downcast. Do you know why I'm downcast? Because people are trying to kill me. He don't need a therapist. He just answered his own question in verse 10. Just because people are trying to get my life. People want my head. I am ransom, right? And if you answered your own question, like, why do you feel the way that you feel? Why are you down even though you have hope in God? You can answer your own question because your marriage, you could say this, because my, my marriage is in shambles, because I hate my job, because I never can please my parents, right? Because no matter what I do, it feels like I'm not good enough. I'm not saying those things are true, but I'm saying emotionally they might be true of you today. I don't know if anyone's trying to kill you. I hope not, right? But this is where King David was. So if you answer your own question, why are you so down? Why, why do you feel discouraged? It's probably a good answer. And then that last song, I just, every song, not that I, I love the song choice and, the, and Kevin did such an incredible job choosing and all, this, the, all those songs and the worship was totally in line with Psalm 42. That's what, that's what he's doing and that's why it's strategic and it's purposeful. And every time I'm reading those lines, I'm like, yeah, but that's not always the case. Next line, yeah, that's not always the case. Yeah, that's not always the case. It, it's good when it's good, but it's bad when it's bad. Life is hard, isn't it? Something in the Hodges family I'll say is the world is broken. And Levi loves to remind me <laughs> every time someone raises their voice, he's like, the world is broken. And I'll, I'll read that. I'm pretty, pretty forthright with the boys about what's going on in the world from social change, the good of it and the ugly of it, right, to national agendas and political agendas and church and church strife. We just have real talk in the Hodges family. And Levi says, the world is broken, Dad. And sometimes at night I love it. He says, he doesn't, hey, any parents in the room where your kids decide not to talk until nighttime? Anybody? Anybody? And when nighttime, Mariah, who does it? Is it Porter? Sorry, having a personal conversation. I saw Mariah's hand go up. And so, yeah, my kid decides to just pour it his heart at night, and I just sit and listen, right? And, and he'll say, Dad, today was a tough day. Well, why is it tough, man? He'll, so he'll start telling me it was a tough day. I'm like, I don't think it was as tough as you, as you, as you thought it was. Do you remember this good? I tried to turn his heart towards the positive, right? But he always says this at night. He goes, remember, you always tell me the world's broken. I'm like, yeah, but the world has Jesus. The world is desperate for an answer. The world is desperate for peace. The world is desperate for prosperity. The world is desperate for his presence. And you know what, King David? David was just desperate for his presence because it was there that he found peace. It was in God that he found the prosperity, and it was in God that he found his soul's content. When you read verses 1 through 10, you see a man that's desperate. I know you've been there. When you read verses 1 through 10, you see a man that remembers what it was like to be with God. 
When you read verses 1 through 10, you see what it's like for a man to be depressed, to be anxious, and to be without God. The reality is, in my town, there are more people worshiping in this room than there are worshiping in the town where I live. There are many people that are desperate for God in Taylor's, Spartanburg, Greenville, Woodruff, Simpsonville. There are many people desperate for God in Boston, in Dedham. By the way, we have a, we have a train right, right behind Encounter Church. I'm just saying. Every time that train pulls through, I'm like, uh-huh, Taylor's, uh-huh, right? I don't know. That has nothing to do with today, but it was just appropriate because I hear the train, you hear the train, right? <laughs> I just, when I, when I go for walks around the church, because I don't, I can't stand sitting still, okay? Confession from the life of Jason. I just can't stand sitting still, all right? It's part of my life's problem, one of my many problems. So I'm walking around the church constantly. I'm like, hey, I'll call you back. Train's coming. Bye. You know, I'm always outside, just moving. Where was I, Jeremy? What was the last thing I said? Oh, yeah. So there are many people in Boston, in Dedham, and Westwood, in the towns, but they're desperate for God. But here's the problem, and here's where I want to land this on verse 11. They just don't know the answer to their problem. They just don't know. You know, I thought of this morning. I was like, oh, that was King David too. Psalm 34, verse 8. Has anyone taught from Psalm 34 in these few weeks? No? Do you remember? I don't think so. I think I saw the list. I don't remember. Psalm 34, you know, King David, same author, same guy. You know what he says? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like he is the one that satisfies. These foods are pretty good. I don't know if David liked, he probably liked some of his travels, other travels he didn't enjoy, right? But traveling and food and the enjoyment and the pleasures of this life. I remind my boys all the time, listen, don't harp on the fact that the world's broken. Make sure we harp on the fact that we have an answer to the world's brokenness. But this life was intended for good. This life wasn't just intended for waiting. This life was intended that we can enjoy God and enjoy this life, enjoy every breath, enjoy the sunshine. Like, I love the sun. Sometimes I walk around like, I like that thing. That's amazing. In fact, um, winter in New England can be tough. Everyone loves the snow in November, December. I'm dreaming of a white, right? Everyone's dreaming of a white Christmas, but then April comes around, and you don't like it anymore. The toughest time for me, I love living in New England. Okay, I consider that my home until we're home in heaven, all right? I do love living in New England. I love the work we're called to. But let me tell you, every time the Masters golf tournament plays in April, I'm like, I don't like living in New England. Because I hear Jim Nance's voice, all right? And I hear them crank up. You know, there are more birds chirping at Augusta National than any other golf course, right? I think they just crank every mic on the course. You see the green trees. You see the beauty of this world, right? But, but, we, but, we, but it's broken. Time, relationships, right? Our hearts, the world is broken. The world is desperate. Verses 1 through 10, this is a man in desperation that needs God. He's distant from God. A man in desperation who's thirsty, who just can't find water, and he knows the only one that can satisfy is God. And so what he says in a song as he's singing, if we picture him with his harp in his arms and he's singing to God, he gives the answer. And the answer is that our hope must be in the future, Verse 11, King David says, why are you downcast? Anyone heard this question so far? He's asked it a couple of times, all right? In music, you ever, listen, you ever start singing a song? Why are we singing that song again? Why are we singing that line again? Didn't we just say this? That's what music does, right? In some ways, we've got to get over it, right? Music repeats itself. Why? Because we need repeating. Have you ever had to repeat something to yourself? Have you ever had to repeat something to your spouse? God forbid, don't do it that much, all right? I've learned that lesson, Right? You ever had to repeat something to your children? Looking up that way, right? Just because I saw Mariah. Like, of course we do. He's repeating this. Why are you down? 
Why are you down? Why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? Here's the answer. Put your hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The timing of this wording is really interesting to me. He says, I will again praise him. Some ways I'm like, no, no, David, don't, don't reserve like worshiping God for the future. Do it right now. I have a, a friend who has been struggling a good bit and to spare the details. I told him recently, I said, hey, man, there's only so much you can talk about not spending time with God. Sit down, put your Bible in your lap, and read, right? Because we can find ourselves there where we're just spending, like, oh, I need to go back to church. Oh, I need to read. Oh, I need to pursue God. No, no, don't talk about the future. But what he says right here is, I will be with him again. You know what David was referring to? Going back to church in some ways, right? I want to be in the presence of God with all other people in the presence of God because it does something to my soul, But you know what he said? I place my hope in God. And we see that not just in this psalm, but in other psalms. David had a life of struggle. But David knew what it was like not just to desire the future. Sometimes I really want to go to heaven, you know? Sometimes I just long that the pain would be eternally eased. I long that, yes, my friends and my neighbors would know who Jesus is. I long that there would be other people and teenagers. Listen, my son is going, one of my sons is going into the seventh grade. There's one gospel preaching church in my town, and that means there's one youth ministry, and there is one seventh grader. There's no other seventh grader in my town that goes to church on a Sunday morning. You know what that tells me? Our work is a long way off, Right? We got a lot to do, but sometimes I just want to hit fast forward and get to the end of the story and have all the pain go away, have all the tension go away and make all things well. But see, I'm not quite OCD, but some days I am, maybe like Monday through Saturday I'm OCD, right? I just just want to focus on the problem, I want to fix it, I want to fix it now. King David said, I will praise you, but for now I will place my hope in you. And the two words that I want you to walk away with today, my salvation and my God. That's how he ends the song. What a beautiful way to end a song, right? And the song that you already sang today, that's really what this was in verse 11. He is our salvation, he is our hope, and he is our God. In the midst of what? In the midst of life being really difficult. In the the midst of life being really hard. In the midst of, for David, people being after his life. In the midst of not sitting on the throne, rather being a fugitive. In the midst of not being faithful to one wife, right? But experiencing what it was like to commit adultery and to cause the pain in relationships. To, to know what it was like to not be a present father. Some interesting verses in the Psalms or in, in the Bible that show us David's life well beyond just his kingship, well beyond just his marriage, well beyond just his fatherhood. A man that struggled, a man that made a lot of mistakes, but he said, you know what? My salvation is God. He is the only one that can satisfy He is the only one that can speak to your struggles today. And he is the only one that can quench your thirst. He is the only one when you're running and you're far, far, far away from water that can give it to you. Right? He's the only one when you are far, far away from hope that can grant you hope. And this is the person of Jesus. If you are experiencing pain, You know what it's like to find Jesus? Jesus Christ crucified and buried and rose again from the dead for you. That's what he did for you. 
So many of you today can say, I have hope in God. I'm familiar with who Jesus is. And so if you've given your life to him, but you and I aren't exempt from pain. You and I aren't, aren't exempt from loneliness. We are not exempt from struggle. But we can place our salvation in him. and We can place our hope in him. Many of you today might say, you know, I'm exploring faith. I don't know what that's like to really give my life to God. We're all in the same boat, in the same river, all traveling upstream, and it's hard. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross. The hope that David had in that moment was that God's presence would be with him. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, and he, he, he was buried, he rose again from the dead. He says, anyone, anyone who would confess their sin and follow me with their life will have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I will be with you. Today, you can testify to say, I need him. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I need help. Guess what? He has promised to be with you. Read Psalm 42 this week, maybe a few times. Maybe read it once or twice a day like I did the last couple of weeks. You'll find that you relate, I believe, to almost every verse, hopefully other than your adversary is trying to take your life, right? Some of you can relate to that. Just leave that story, right? But Jesus provided hope in Psalm 42 because we knew And King David, when he said, in the future, right? Who was the fulfillment of that? It was Jesus. And this is what Jesus did for us. In the next few moments as we worship, I would ask you and encourage and challenge you in your time of worship to just take a few moments and talk to the Lord about where you are. I don't know what your desperation level is, right? Low or high, or your hope level is, or your confidence in him. But I know this, by the volume of people in this room, it's all over the place. But no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, place your salvation, place your hope in Jesus Christ. After I pray, we're going to have a time of worship, and Jeremy will be down front. If you would love for someone to pray for you, Jeremy to pray for you, or if you'd love to come and kneel here at the altar and just deal with God however you wish, you can do that. You can do that right where you are as well. But during this time of worship, may we allow what God has spoken through Psalm 42 to encourage our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are and for what you're doing. Thank you that in the midst of uh, hopelessness, we can find hope in you. And as each of us, I know we're in different places of our journey, different places of our walks with you, but I know we are all in the same river, all trying to paddle upstream, and we know life is hard. And so we pray that your spirit would speak. We pray that your spirit would encourage. And ultimately, I pray that every heart in here would make a decision to place their hope in you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for how you've spoken through Psalm 42. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.